Good morning. It's a new way to appear on camera. I just pop up from beneath. Uh, I had some struggles this morning. I had a, a little microphone that I've had for a long time, and I was going to, I had it all set up yesterday, just uh, click it into my phone. And then when I went to click it in this morning, I realized that uh, the lightning insert where I would plug it in was my phone was sitting on it, on its little holder. And so I had to uh, reconvert, unconvert, or go back to uh, get rid of the microphone and <laughs> switch things back. So I have, I'm so low tech with this, doing this on Facebook, but the wee little bit of tech that I would would be able to handle uh, the contraption that that I thought was perfect for my phone didn't work out. So simple is better. So today, here we are in Northern California. It's beautiful and sunny, but I think it's about 11 degrees here. So. Uh, I remember I'd never lived in this cold of climate when I first came and moved to Wisconsin, like 35 years ago. And I learned pretty quickly you have to not let children outside when the temperature is, I think it was, I think the school said it was below maybe 13 to 15 degrees. I can't remember what it was. And then having dogs all the time, being careful that the dogs didn't go out when it was below a certain temperature. Although the first thing a dog wants to do in the snow is run and jump and bury their face in it. And I had a little short, usually dogs with not very long legs. Um, so this is one of those days when everybody's going to be inside, even though it's gorgeous and beautiful. And this is when the face mask will feel really good on people's faces who do have to go outside. So um, I wanted to read something else by Ajahn Sumedho, and this is from a different book of his called The Way It Is. And this is, this is a book I've had in my library forever, but it, it was published in 1991. And Ajahn Sumedho is an American who, who, was in, who was one of Ajahn Chah's very first Western students. And he started Amarawati, no, he started Abayagiri Monastery in uh, Northern California, which is still a very successful uh, monastery for male monks and Ajahn Sumedho is still teaching, and I think he's, I think he's 86 or maybe a little bit older than that. So this is, I had two articles I wanted to choose from. One is called Patience, <laughs> but I thought I would start with this one, which is called The Way It Is. It speaks to everything we're all going through these days, I think the way it is. A skillful reflection is, this is the way it is. 
Venerable Buddhadasa Bhikkhu, the renowned Thai sage, said, if there was to be a useful inscription to put on a medallion around your neck, it would be, this is the way it is. This reflection helps us to contemplate, wherever we happen to be, whatever time and place, good or bad, this is the way it is. It is a way of bringing an acceptance into our minds, a noting rather than a reaction. The practice of meditation is reflecting on the way it is in order to see the fears and desires which we create. This is quite a simple practice, but the practice of Dhamma should be very, very simple rather than complicated. Many methods of meditation are very complicated with many stages and techniques, so one becomes addicted to complicated things. Sometimes because of our attachment to views, we don't really know how things are. However, the more simple we get, the more clear, profound, and meaningful everything is to us. For example, and he's talking, probably talking at a monastery or a public talk. For example, consider the people here, the monks and nuns we live with. Maybe some we feel attracted to, some we feel averse to, some we sympathize with, some we understand, some we don't understand. But whatever view we have, we can see it as just a view of a person rather than a real person. We can hear ourselves saying, I don't want him to be like that. I want him to be otherwise. He shouldn't be like this. I want it to be otherwise is the whale of the age, isn't it? Why can't life be otherwise? Why do people have to die? Why do we have to get old? Why this sickness? Why do we have to be separated from our loved ones? Why do innocent children who wouldn't hurt anyone in their lives, old people who wouldn't hurt anyone, why do they have to suffer from starvation or brutality? There is always some new horrible thing happening. The other day someone wrote to me about the Bangladesh Muslims trying to get rid of Buddhist hill tribes in the Chittagong Hill tracks through genocide. Then we hear about Iranians trying to eradicate the Baha'is. Baha'is. It goes on endlessly. The Sinhalese and the Tamils. There's always this clash between groups, one trying to take over another's land or power. This has been going on since who knows when. There's always been someone trying to exterminate someone else since Cain murdered Abel. And that was a long time ago. But each time we hear of these atrocities, we say, how terrible it shouldn't be. We hear about American drug companies selling poisonous and horrible drugs to the third world countries. That shouldn't be dreadful. The pollution of the planet, the despoiling of the environment, the killing of dolphins and whales, where does it end? What can you do about it? It seems to be an endless problem of human ignorance. At a time when people should know better, they are doing the most horrendous things to each other. 
It is a time of gloomy predictions, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and diseases. It shouldn't be like this. Now saying this is the way it is is not an approval or a refusal to do anything, but it is a way of establishing oneself in the knowledge that nature is like this. In the animal kingdom, it's very much a question of survival of the fittest, a natural self-selecting law where the weaker strains are destroyed. So in that way, even nature is quite brutal, isn't it? We think of nature as, as being everything it should be, sweet with flowers and sunshine, but nature is also very brutal. What is our position in nature? We can live on the level of the animal kingdom where survival of the fittest is emphasized, the strong over the weak, living by fear and power. We can live like that because we share that animal mentality. We have an animal body and it has to survive like any other animal body on the planet. So the law of the jungle is something human beings can subscribe to, which many of them do. But this is only a lower level, isn't it? If we just live on that level, then we must expect the world to be as it is, in a state of fear and anxiety. But as human beings, we can get beyond this animal level. We can decide to abide by moral standards so that we don't have to live our lives in a state of anxiety. But even higher than that is our ability to realize the truth, to contemplate existence, to cultivate the reflective mind through which we can transcend personality. At the level of moral behavior, we still have a very strong personality view. And in our civilization, we've developed a sense of me and mine to absurdity. So strong is this sense of me and mine that it seems to dominate and taint everything we do. And, they're all, and there's always a sense of anguish and suffering connected with it. Just contemplate this. Whenever there is a sense of me and mine in anything, it always seems to give rise to discontent or uncertainty, doubt, fear, or anxiety. This is a view of me as an individual being, of this as mine, of what I should or should not be or do based on a belief in oneself as the body or a set of mental conditions. However, this view is based on illusion. It comes from conditioning, not from insight. So as long as we identify with the limitations of the body and the mind, then of course we are going to experience doubt, despair, anguish, sorrow, grief, and lamentation, these mental forms of suffering. How could it be otherwise? We're certainly not going to get enlightenment from distorted misunderstanding and wrong view. We have this opportunity now to establish right view and right understanding. And those are the first two uh, pieces of the Noble Eightfold Path. 
We have this opportunity now to establish right view and right understanding, which frees us from the personality illusion, the the identification with what are called the five aggregates, body, feeling, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. So we contemplate the consciousness through the senses, eye, ear, nose, tongue, and body. We can contemplate mental formations, the yesterdays of our own creation, and the thoughts and views that we create. We can see them as impermanent. We have the ability to contemplate the nature of things, to say, this is the way it is. We can notice the way it is without adopting a personality viewpoint. So with the breadth of the body, the weight of its posture, we are just witnessing and noting how it is now, in this moment. The mood of the mind, whether we feel bright or dull, happy or unhappy, is something we can know. We can witness it. And the empty mind, empty of the proliferation about oneself and others, is clear. It is intelligent and compassionate. The more we really look into the habits we have developed, the more clear things become for us. So we must be willing to suffer, to be bored, miserable, and anguished. It's an opportunity to bear with these unpleasant mental states rather than to suppress them. Having been born, this is the way it is at this time, at this place. I, I just love that few pages, that short chapter. That's what we're that's just the crux of so many of the things that we're always talking about. This is the way it is, and that's what our meditation is helping us experience. So I don't think I can add anything to that to uh, make it any any clearer. So I hope you, wow, can listen to it again if you need to, or uh, find Ajahn Sumedho's book, The Way It Is. And that's a it gives us an intro, into, introduction to just the simple reality of what we're trying to do and what the Buddha was trying to teach us, how to be able to see reality the way it is and work with that and use all of the, our faculties that we have as a human to work with that. And to discover the true nature of things is also part of the beginning of being able to let go and stop clinging to all of these things that are impermanent and uh, create discontent and are not who we are. But he also talks about the five aggregates. And also talks about right view and right understanding, the first two of the Eightfold Path. So that's an amazing way in a few pages to put put that together in such a beautiful, beautiful way. That's one to to, um, dig deeper into. So that's what I wanted to share with you today because... um, 
This is our opportunity. I, I love the idea of a medallion or uh, something that we can have right in front of us. This is the way it is. We can't change reality. And there are things we have to acknowledge are part of this world that we'll never be able to uh, eradicate or erase. But we do all that we can work with. It takes us right back to what we were always trying to work with. All we can work with is ourselves. And uh, being non-reactive, I think, and is a very important part of his message. And being able to witness things, to view things. And then we can, then we'll be able to see what we can work with within ourselves, what we can, what we can work with in our outer lives. It simplifies things, so this is the way it is. And the name of the book is The Way It Is. So, so let's sit for a little bit. Oh, I have to take a sip of something warm. My throat is a little dry. I guess when it's 11 degrees outside, that's, a, that's normal. That's the way it is. <laughs> it's a little dry. <laughs> so why don't we sit? And as, as we finish our time together, I'm going to read my wish again, Shanti Davis, from the writings. It's an, it's an, an, an edit uh, from uh, Shanti Dewa's writings, The Way of the Buddha, The Way of the Bodhisattva. So I'll read that at the end before I have to leave. So just find that, find that posture where you you feel your body's coming to an to a your body's waking up for you. Your body's being attentive. And your body knows, ah, this is when we get to just watch things as they are. And we do that by letting our posture be more erect. Even if you're in bed or if you're lying on the floor or how if you're walking, it's just a matter of letting your spine stretch out, lift up. Just being aware of your body breathing. And not forcing anything. Don't ever force your thoughts to stop. It'd be like trying to force your body not to breathe. But our attention doesn't have to go after every thought. We can be picky about what we think about. We don't have to just take what's being thrown out at us through our active mind. Ah. And we've been finding that when our that spine is lifted up, when we've opened up that channel that the body, the body's natural breath is just naturally deeper. So we've expanded the area in our lungs. 
We've created more space for oxygen. That's always a good thing for the body. Just be with your breath. And just let your mind hold that, this phrase for just a minute and then you can let it go. This is the way it is. Whatever condition, whatever's going on around you, this is the way it is. And you can even let go of that thought. Let your attention be very lightly, like that little butterfly on the tip of your nose. That's your attention. It's very light. On each breath you take in, and on each breath out. The feeling should be one of lightness, Be sure you're in your body. Be able to feel your body. Be aware if you're in an uncomfortable, uh, rigid posture, it's going to be more uncomfortable. So let your body relax 
and let it relax around that uplifted spine. Feel the tension leave your body with each exhale. If you need support for your back, if you need to sit in a chair, don't feel that you have to have a rigid, only one way kind of posture. We work with our bodies. If you're in bed, you may want to be listening to me just so you can relax and go to sleep peacefully. And that's okay. I don't mind that at all. I'm going to end. You can keep sitting long after my my time is, is finished. So keep sitting. I'm just going to read my wish. Leaves us with good thoughts as we move forward. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. If you can, just keep sitting. Just be with, be with everything just the way it is. I'll be with you again tomorrow. Thank you.